when I think about leadership, I think about people like Abraham. When God called Abraham, you'll remember, he speaks to Abraham, and it sounds like that Abraham had no questions, that Abraham got up and he left, and he went to a place that he had no idea where he was going. He just left. You know people like that in your life? I, I know ministers that uh, I've grown up under um, in, in previous years where it seemed like that there was, uh, God had been silent for years and years and years, and uh, the minister would say, this is what we need to do, and so that's what the church did, and guess what? God blessed that. God blessed that faith. You probably know people like that in your own life. I think about Rahab. You remember Rahab? When the Israelites were moving in toward uh, the promised land, there's this little place called Jericho, and Rahab, who is a God-fearer, the, the Scripture says she's a God-fearer. She's not a Jew, but she fears the, the God of the Jews. She fears the God of the Israelites, and so she ties a cord, and she does things that's really unpopular for the rest of, of, of people, right? You know people in your world. You know people in your society. You perhaps know somebody in your circle of friends where they might be considered a Rahab. They see things that nobody else sees because they fear God. Sometimes leadership is, is going against the grain, if you know what I mean, right? It's not doing the popular thing all the time. and Sometimes leadership uh, comes with some real challenges. I think about Rahab. Think about Elisha. You know Elisha? The one who follows Elijah? Elisha is the one who uh, feels like that it's just uh, him and a servant. And they pray that God give him eyes to see. Remember that text where God, it, it looks like it's just us. God give us eyes to see and all of a sudden God gives him eyes to see and the mountains are covered with angels and Things and spirits that will fight for Elisha and the servant. I know people like Elisha. Perhaps you know people like Elisha. Lord, give them eyes to see. Do you know the Joshua and Caleb's in your society? Do you know Joshua and Caleb's in your world? Do you know Joshua and Caleb's in your church? Perhaps God has called some of you to be the Joshua and Caleb's. The Rahab's. I want to talk to you about leadership today, legacy, grace. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you that we can gather and open your word. The statistics that Mark just shared with us are pretty amazing. You think that we have the entirety of Scripture before us. And most of us don't just have one Bible, we have many, many Bibles. Sadly, most of those Bibles are on a shelf, they're dusty. But I pray, God, I continue to pray, I continue to pray that you would give us a passion for your Word. That you'll allow these words to not just be words on a page, they'll penetrate our heart. They'll become the very core of who we are. Pray, God, that you would speak clearly. Help us to understand who you are and who we are called to be. Especially on this Father's Day. Especially on a day that we consider what leadership is all about. God, thank you for leaders in our world. Thank you for those who've left good legacies. God, thank you for grace. 
pray that you would speak very clearly these next few minutes. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. You'll recognize this passage, right? This is God speaking to Moses from the middle of a bush. Moses looked, it says, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. Moses thought to himself, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see. Notice what it says. When the Lord noticed that Moses turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush. Moses. Moses. And he said, here I am. God said, don't come any nearer, Moses. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you're standing. This is, this is holy ground. What makes it holy? And he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come up to me, and I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Moses, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Hang on a second, God. I'm not sure I'm your guy. I really don't want to do that. Right? But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? What do I have to offer? What can I do? Right? This has been tried over and over and over again. We've been here for 400 years. God said, But I will be with you. God said, But I will be with you. That's good news, right? But I will be with you, and this shall be a sign for you and I've, that I've sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. This very moment, you will, this very mountain that you're on, you will, you will come back here, Moses, and you'll be reminded of this very moment, this conversation that we're having here. It will be like a deja vu moment for you, Moses. You ever had those before in your life where God reminds you of something that he promised you? I have. Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? What message am I supposed to convey? God said to Moses, I'm enough. I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel, 
Listen up, leaders. Some of you don't recognize yourself as a leader, but God has in mind for you to be a leader. In society, in the church, in your family, you you need to hear this message today. Go and gather the elders of Israel and together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob, has appeared to me saying, I've observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt, and I promise that I will bring... When God promises, it's good. When God promises, it always comes to fulfillment. It says God promised. I've observed in what you've been done to you in Egypt, and I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey, Yeah, God, but it's been 400 years. No, but I promise you, Moses. I promise you, elders. I promise you, Israelites. I I promise you, church. Verse 18 says, They will listen to your voice, Moses, and you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt, and you shall say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. And now please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I'm going to stretch out my hand, Moses. God's an all-knowing God, right? Nothing surprises God. Even the response of the Egyptian Pharaoh. I know that he's not going to hear you, so here's what I'm going to do for you, Moses. I'm telling you even before it happens. I'm going to stretch out my hand and I'm going to strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in your sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you shall not be empty, Moses. You remember the stories, Moses. When you got here, when the 70, when Jacob came with his sons, when Joseph, Joseph was the only one, right, who had anything. The reason that they're here is because there was famine in the land. They showed up with nothing, Moses. But when you're going to be released from bondage, guess what's going to happen? You're going to have more than you could ever imagine. I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and when you go, you shall not go empty, but each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold and jewelry and for clothing. You shall put them on your sons and on your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. What a good God we serve. Now, mind you, this is not a a text about gold and silver and possessions. But it is about a faithful God who cares about us, who sees our affliction, church, who knows when we are down, who knows when we're suffering, who knows when we're struggling, who knows when we ask the question, what if? What if God would show up? Oh, God, God could do great things, but God hasn't been around for years but Yeah, I know, but what if God showed up? What if God sent a deliverer? Yeah, I know we prayed about a deliverer for years and years, but God, God doesn't send a deliverer. That is until Moses. This is the God we serve. The Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What that means is the same God that we serve in 2018 is the same God who makes these promises in Exodus chapter 3. 
Do you believe that? Some of us believe it. I, I, hope, I hope we believe it. There, there was a text we sang just a few minutes ago in a song that I, I, I jotted down. I've sung it many times before, but today it kind of spoke to me. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be seen. Really? I mean, is that the way I live my life? Whatever may pass. That's, i got to be honest with you this morning. This, this is not the way I typically live my life, right? I, I can sing a song on Sunday, but there's something about the struggle, if you know what I mean. So when I hear those words on the radio, or I sing those songs that are on the screen on a Sunday morning, whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, am I really going to... Am I going to really testify? I'm going to confess. I'm going to say out loud. I'm going to declare to you people, right? We're family. We're gathered around this table. We're celebrating what God has done for us. Am I really going to, with any kind of integrity at all, say, whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, I'm going to be singing? That takes, that takes a pretty strong faith. Would you agree? That's where God wants us to be. That's what God wants to do in us. That's what God wants to do through us. You see, God is looking for leaders. Remember, legacy, leadership, and grace. I think you see all three of these things right here in this text in Exodus chapter 3. Let me show you just a couple of things, and then I'll let you get out and get on the grill or whatever you do for Father's Day. Number one, won't be a surprise to you. You know this text, right? You've heard this text probably preached or teached many times before. It's a unique text. Unique in the sense that we oftentimes make the bush the subject of the text. The bush is not the primary subject of the text. The bush is secondary. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hear me. The bush that is burning but doesn't burn up is secondary to the text. It's God who speaks from within the bush who's the primary character in the text. Does that make sense? God is the primary character in this text and throughout the book of Exodus. Now God does do things through the Israelites. God does things through Moses and, and Aaron and all those things, but God is the primary, just like he wants to be the primary character in your life, Robert. He wants to be the primary character. He wants to be the primary character in my life. God calls. That's number one. God calls. What do I mean by God calls? Well, God called Moses from inside a burning bush, but even before that, in Genesis chapter 1, 26 and 27, where it says, let us make man in our image, God is already calling. Do you understand that? God doesn't need anything. He's self-sufficient. He's not weak by any means. He doesn't need anything, and yet, let us make man in our image. He creates everything. Which means He wants a relationship with you. 
He wants a relationship with Moses here in Exodus chapter 3. That's the gospel, right? God calls, God calls, God calls. You've heard it preached before, right? You've heard it taught before. I've shared with you before, when I was eight years old at a church in Hobbs, New Mexico, God called. I sensed God's calling. It wasn't a burning bush experience, if you want to think of a literal burning bush, but it was my burning bush experience. God was calling me. Has He done that for you? Has He called you? Not just once. Or twice, but over and over and over again. God loves you so much. God loved the world so much that He gave. That's a calling, right? Or in Revelation, Jesus says it this way, right? Look, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone here, this is a conditional promise. I'm not going to kick the door in. I'm not a thief, right? The enemy's a thief. But I'm just going to knock on the door. If anyone hears my voice, it says, and opens the door. What does that mean? That means you have a responsibility to open the door. You have a responsibility to respond to the to call. When Moses is called from a burning bush, Moses has a choice to make. Am I going to do what God asked me to do? Or am I not going to do what God asked me to do? When you hear the gospel over and over and over again, you have a choice to make. Will you respond to the gospel, or will you not respond to the gospel? Will you be baptized? Will you accept the call? Will you do, will you do what God expects of us to do? Will you affect the world around you? Will you be a part of what God is doing in this great big world, and specifically in His kingdom? This is the call. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, that's your responsibility. You open the door. Here's the promise. I will come into him. I will eat with him. There's nothing, there's nothing more intimate than a meal. That was true then. It's also true today. There's nothing more intimate than that. It's sitting at a table and sharing a meal with those you love and Jesus says, I will come into him, I will eat with him, and he with me. That's a call. Have you accepted the call? Have you heard God speaking from that burning bush? It doesn't have to be a literal burning bush. It can be a, it can be a message. It can be a, it can be a Sunday school lesson. It can be a song on the radio. It can, be, it can be something you see in creation. But again, creation is not the primary subject, right? The bush is not the primary subject. It's God who calls from the bush, from the message, from the Sunday school, from the whatever it happens to be. Have you responded to the call? It didn't happen just one time. See, I think that's where we've gotten it all wrong is we think of our burning bush experience, we think of our Sunday night, Hobbs, New Mexico, eight years old, as being the one time that I respond to God. No, we respond, and we respond, and we respond, and we re you get the idea? It's over, and it's over, and it's over again. I hope that you've responded to the call.
What does that look like? Well, first thing is, do you know Jesus? We can talk about all kinds of other calls, but if you don't know Jesus, they're not going to make a whole lot of sense to you. Paul would say later on to the Corinthian church, he says, the cross is foolishness to the pagans. They don't understand the cross. It just doesn't make sense to them. Why? Because they don't know Jesus. You need to know Jesus. That's the primary call. Do you know Jesus? By the way, this text, if you're not aware of it, Revelation chapter 3, is to a church called Laodicea who's lost their first love. Remember? They become lukewarm. Jesus says they're neither hot nor cold. Therefore, I will, I will hurl them out of my mouth. I will vomit them up. Maybe you've accepted the call in years past or in days or months past, but it's become a little less important to you. I'm praying that God would remind you of the sense of the call. God's calling to you, not just one time, but throughout your lives. How will you respond to the call? Number two, Moses gives every kind of excuse to God. Have you done that before? I've given every kind of excuse to God. No, God, I really don't want to do that. I, the last time I, I, I went to that person that you've asked me to go to, and I, I shared with him what I, the message that you gave me, it didn't turn out well. So I, maybe I shouldn't do that again. I've given God every kind of excuse you can imagine. And guess what? The call never goes away. Have you ever done that? We all give God some excuses, don't we? Moses here gives God all kinds of excuses. What, what am I supposed to do, God? Right? This, this is the most powerful man in the world. This is Pharaoh. This is the Egyptian king. Why would he listen to, why would he listen to me? You'll remember, if you've been here in weeks past, that, that Moses has not only been raised in Pharaoh's household, but he's also a murderer. Moses recognizes his ineptness, and yet God chooses to use him anyway. That's where grace comes in, right? Secondly, God, God doesn't always, always, I mean, he doesn't just stop at the call, he also gifts. When he calls you, he's going to gift you with what you need. You hear what I'm saying? When he calls you to a certain task, well, what would I say? Well, you're going to say what the Holy Spirit tells you what to say. I don't know how to pray. Well, let me teach you how to pray. I don't know that I could teach that Sunday school class. No, you probably can't in your own power, but guess what? If the Holy Spirit's living within you, you can teach a Sunday school class. I don't know that I could give a communion meditation, an offering meditation. Guess what? You probably can't. But if the Holy Spirit's living within you, you can serve in any way God expects you to serve. If He calls you, He's going to gift you. You understand what I'm saying? In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, Paul says it this way, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each, now this is, a, this is something contrary to our world in which we live, especially in the Western world. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Not for my benefit. I'm not saved for my benefit. You understand that? Now, there's secondary benefit to that. My salvation is because it shows, it declares the glory of God. It's all about God. He's the primary character in my life. Do you understand that? We've got it all wrong when we make us, ourselves, the primary character of our life. 
That's wrong. Paul says, I must crucify myself daily. Or in Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, he says, make sure you're a living sacrifice. Get up on the altar and die to self. This is your spiritual act of worship. Because God is the primary character. And so when it says, the spirit for the common good, well, I could never teach Sunday school. No, you can't. But when the spirit moves in, guess what? It's for the common good that you serve. There are several things here on this bulletin church, this little half of an eight and a half by 11. Audio sound team, slide, video team, praise and worship team, discipleship ministry, teaching ministry, missions team, somebody to work in the office 20 hours a week. We need all these things. And guess what? It's not just for your benefit. It's for the common good if you have the Holy Spirit. You understand that? Well, I'm too old. No, we're not talking about too old. No, I've retired from all that. I've, I've done my time. No, that's not, that's not what God says. You never, as a believer, you never retire. That's not very good news, is it? As a believer, we never retire. You know why? Because we're not the primary characters. God is the primary character. And when He gifts us with the Holy Spirit, when He does what He does like He does here with Moses, when He does that in our own life, He expects certain things for us. From us. Through us. So God calls. God gifts. And finally, God, God finishes. You know this as well as I do, that we're all a work in progress, right? We're all different place on the spiritual journey. No matter where you come from, no matter where, where you're at here on the spiritual journey, we're all at different places. You follow what I'm saying? There's a great promise throughout Scripture, though, is God's not going to leave us alone. God's going to finish what He has started. Let me share with you just a... And, and, before I turn from Exodus chapter 3 and turn to another text for just a moment, God is not only going to gift Moses with the words that need to be said to Pharaoh, but, but did you hear the promise that I read just a few moments ago that God said, I will be with you? He didn't say it one time. He says it several times, right? I will be with you. I will be with you. I will be with you. The reason you're going to be successful is... I will be with you. I know he's the most, you're not, you're, not, you're not surprising God with anything. I know he's the most powerful man in the world. He's the Egyptian Pharaoh. But I will be with you. I know this medical situation you're dealing with seems to be pretty large right now. But I will be with you. I realize you have bill after bill after bill, but guess what? I will be with you. I realize that your life is not where you'd like it to be. You're, you're not in a place where everything is unicorns and butterflies. But I will be with you. You get the idea? But I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. If I ask you to do something, if I call you to do something, I will gift you and I will be with you. What a great, great promise. What a great promise. 
And yet we have, sadly, we have become the primary character in the story. God forgive us. Deuteronomy chapter 31. Moses is about to die. He's reminding the Israelites of what they've agreed to do, live with God, to live for God. So Moses continued to speak these words to all Israel, it said, and he said to them, I'm 120 years old today. Some of you feel old at 48, right? Moses said, I'm 120 years old today. I'm no longer able to go out and come in. The Lord has said to me, you shall not go over to this Jordan. The Lord your God himself will go over before you. There's a promise again. He will restore these nations before you so that you shall dispossess them. And Joshua will go over at your head as the Lord has spoken. The Lord will do to them as he did to Sihon and Og, the king of the Amorites, and to their land when he destroyed them. The Lord will give them over to you, and you shall do to them according to the whole commandments that I have commanded you. Listen. Listen. Some of you have been on the prayer list for some time. Listen. Listen up. Wake up. Be strong. Be courageous. Don't fear or be in dread of them. Or it, whatever it is. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you, nor will He forsake you. Isn't that it? Isn't that it? God calls. God gifts. And God will finish. Sometimes we're wringing our hands saying, oh man, I wish he would do it right now. Because you've been raised in a right now, right? Society. I want a burger. Well, guess what? There's a drive-thru right down here. You can get a burger right now. Right? Look, you can get a burger right now. We, we, we spoiled ourselves, church. Do you understand what I'm saying? I've spoiled myself, and I've made the story about me. And you've spoiled yourselves, and you've made the story about you. And guess what? The story is not about us. The story is about God. Now, he does things through us. He, he does th- things through me. We just looked at that. He does things through you, or he wants to do things through you. He does things through Moses and, and Abraham and Elisha and all these other people that we've taught, Rahab. And their legacy is they're written down in Scripture. I don't know about you, but one day I want to stand before God and I want to hear. I don't care. I mean, the elders just heard me say this Wednesday. I don't care a whole lot about numbers. I don't care a whole lot about money in the bank. I I don't care about a whole lot of... Now, I'll I'll have to grant you this. There's still this flesh going on, right? I'm not the spiritual guy that you'll ever meet. There's still this tension going on. I still have this... This old man that refuses to die sometimes. But I want to get to a place in my spiritual journey where everything I am, when I get up in the morning, 
when I go to bed at night, that everything is about God, that He's the primary character in the story. In other words, I've got to get out of the way, right? And let God be God. If He wants to work through me, great. If He wants me to just get out of the way, then so be it, right? I think that's the only way to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. There's a difference between God saying, look look what you did, or look what I've done through you. That's legacy. Follow? God's looking for some leaders. I'm not talking about elders. I'm not talking about deacons. Sometimes you can be a leader and be in the back of the church or be behind the scenes. It's not about authority. It's about leading. God's looking for people with integrity. God's looking for people who will get out of the way and let God be God. God's looking for some Sunday school teachers. God's looking for some people that will give communion meditations and offering meditations. And God's looking for people who will pass an offering tray. And God's looking for people who will go and serve the poor. And God's looking for people that... You get the idea, right? God's going to call. Are you responding to the call? Most of the time, the call is not just simply be at Hillcrest Christian Church at 1045 on a Sunday morning. The call is so much bigger than that. Will you answer the call? Will you let God gift you so that when He calls, you'll be equipped with what He wants to gift you with? And will you believe the promise you are not alone, that He will never leave you, He will never forsake you. If you want to choose to use that as corporately, He will never leave us, Hillcrest. He will never leave us. We may leave Him, but He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. We are not on our own. Amen? Praise God. Amen. Let's pray.